0: Hey, welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Spotlight. This is the podcast that'll take you behind the scenes to talk with the unsung heroes who are out there working in the trenches of the music, theater, and TV worlds. Jen Kellogg has spent over 25 years as a roadie, educator, and entrepreneur. Sometimes she's part of the large machine that gets the show on stage. Other times she's teaching the next generation so they can further their own careers. Let's kick it off. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of Beyond the Spotlight. This is the podcast that features the unsung heroes working behind the scenes in the music, theater, and television worlds. We have an extraordinary guest today joining us. She's had over 25 years of experience in touring uh, as a roadie, an educator, an entrepreneur. Uh, She was involved early on with some... uh, Tours with Bob Dylan and Willie Nelson, uh, Def Leppard, Brian Adams, Counting Crows. Uh, she was part of the Vans Warp tour as the tour accountant for uh, about eight years and has done multiple speaking engagements with national and regional conferences and has. Kind of rolled a lot of that information into her own company currently, the Entertainment Institute, where she teaches uh, people about the touring industry. And uh, please welcome to the show, Jen Kellogg.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: You are welcome. People have kind of gotten the sense now from other guests and and from what they might know, you know, what a sound engineer does, what a tour manager does, you know, all these kinds of things. But people probably don't give a lot of thought to the person keeping track of all the money like that's a pretty important part of all this isn't it and uh, how did you get involved in that part of it and what does that look like for you
1: Um, well so i guess it probably goes back to my entry into the concert industry which was when i was in college and I still remember my sophomore year being in my dorm room. Uh, this was before the internet was really a thing. So looking at the physical newspaper, where sure. the concert committee had an ad for hiring for the next year, um, and I saw that one of the things they were hiring for was the finance committee. And it was this light bulb moment. I was a finance major, okay. um, and it was this light bulb moment that, like, of course, something like the concert industry would also need finance people and everything else under the sun that you don't really think about. You know you see the tour buses coming through and you assume that it's all artists on the tour. Um but there's so many of us that are fulfilling such a wide variety of jobs behind the scenes. So that was the first step in connecting finance and accounting to uh live events. Um So it was a really neat organization at the University of Iowa that ran like a real concert promoter. So I got to put on national touring shows in the 1600 Capacity Ballroom. We set real ticket prices, offered real guarantees. I learned how to settle the shows. Um, We did everything the way a real concert promoter would do it. And that hands-on experience was really valuable in my future, the rest of my career. Um, I love to travel, I love numbers Um, so I kind of always knew that at some point down the road being a tour accountant would be the thing that would be the perfect fit Um, along the way I worked in the accounting office at Jam Productions, uh, one of the largest independent concert promoters left in the country Um, and from there transitioned to becoming a talent buyer Um, that's where I did a lot of the tours of minor league baseball parks with Bob Mm -hmm. Dylan and Willie Nelson and the other artists that you mentioned. And I was part of a team that we bought for theaters and arenas and the ballparks were like a big aspect of what we did every year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So explain for people what a talent buyer does or what, what, what does that entail?
1: Sure. So the talent buyer is the person at the promoter that brings together the artist and the venue and figures out what date should those things happen on, um, and con- kind of lines up the contracts for both of those. So figuring out the right ticket price, budgeting for the shows. And then along the way, after the show is confirmed, um, kind of pulling together the, the marketing, the ticketing and the production elements on the promoter side. Um, and then being typically being on site at the shows to do the financial settlement. Um, so for me, I, I liked lots of parts of those jobs, uh, mm-hmm. that job, but I didn't really like buying talent. I didn't like having to have yeah. a crystal ball to figure out how many people are going to buy tickets at what ticket price and which venue is the right size to put you know the artist in, and, and that was not a thing that I really enjoyed. You know that mm-hmm. risk analysis. Um, what I did love was being on a full tour. Living on a tour bus for two months and doing the on site financial transactions. So, that which is primarily settling the show, which is the financial meeting between a representative from the promoter and a representative from the artist, um, and making sure that the artist is getting paid based on the deal that was previously negotiated. So, I really loved that part. Um, and that's what led me to leave my full time job to become a freelance tour accountant and landed at the Warp Tour. Um, which I did for um, nine years, and just the funnest punk rock summer camp you could imagine every year.
0: <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah, that's I. I kind of chuckled when I was reading through that section of your bio, and it said among other things, you handled very, very large sums of cash yeah. for for that show. So uh, I can only imagine that uh, there was a lot of a lot of cash changing hands there. Mm-hmm. Um, What was that? I mean, you know, how did that change anything you did, if, if at all, um, from what you had kind of learned previous to that? Was that a different experience? Was it kind of, uh, just the same, but different people?
1: It was the first time that I, well, not the first time, it was one of the first times that I really got to work on the quote unquote artist side of the Mm -hmm. transaction, um, So prior to that, I had primarily worked on the promoter side of the transaction. So as the talent buyer on the promoter side, um, interacted with lots of tour accountants, lots of tour managers. Tour managers will settle shows if there's not a tour accountant. Um, And one of the things that I really took from that experience when I moved over to the the artist side was um, knowing that I could really set the tone for what that interaction was going to be like. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was something that I was intentional about. You know, I wanted to have uh, a, a good experience with the venues and promoters that I was settling with, um, especially knowing that I was going to see them year after year.
0: Right. Um,
1: and, and the artist side typically gets to kind of set that tone a little bit more. So that was, um, probably one of the biggest changes from this side of the table to the other side.
0: Yeah. And so it sounds like you're not only just dealing with, you know, financial, uh, things, but you are... Kind of almost starting to bridge into a managerial position or or representing the artist and and doing a little more than just, you know, counting things and and keeping track of the money. It's a little more elaborate.
1: Well, there are sometimes debates about who should pay for what. And a mm-hmm. lot of that can come down to how many tickets are sold um, will have an effect on is, it, is the additional expenses really coming out of the artist's pocket or is it coming out of the promoter's pocket? So having an understanding of that and when to kind of um, debate things or let things go, yeah. um, relationships and communication and kind of having a feel for what's appropriate there um, is really important. Uh, yeah. You would be surprised the number of times I argued about how the tax should be calculated.
0: Ah, yes. It's like a, tax.
1: something that wouldn't be up for debate. But, uh, you know, it's things like that that we figure out at settlement on the day of. You know, other industries will send you an invoice and say, you know, pay us net 30 days or whatever.
0: Right.
1: The concert industry, you leave with a check or plans for a wire transfer for, for or, you know, cash in hand. Um, so all of those details really get figured out on the day of. And so it can come down to, well, who authorized ordering this particular thing and um, should the artist be paying for it or should the promoter be paying for it? And, you know, as you always want to make sure that you are representing um, whoever you're working for um, professionally and get, the most money in their pocket while still maintaining a positive relationship.
0: Right. Yeah. And that's probably like walking a tightrope at times because you, you obviously want to put pressure on the other party to fulfill their, their obligations and do their part, but you don't want to go too far so that you alienate them. And, you know, like you said, you're going to have to see these people year after year, probably Mm -hmm. in touring. Um, so you don't want to burn those bridges. And, uh, so that's, that's probably a stressful part of the job, I would think.
1: Yeah, well, I really try to approach it from um, a perspective of we're just trying to do it accurate. I'm not Mm -hmm. trying to get more than is due to us. I just want to do it accurately. So when I focus on that and um, really present any um, information through that lens, I think that that leads to um, positive interactions because ultimately both parties are going to want to just have an accurate settlement.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So let's move up to um, you are uh, adjunct faculty at Columbia College in Chicago, right? And you're teaching, producing, and touring live entertainment there. uh, Tell us how that works. What are you preparing people, young people, for uh, lives and? touring industry
1: i hope so (laughs) Um, so it's uh in the business and entrepreneurship department and i would say the majority of the students that come through are interested in being talent buyers venue representatives agents um, managers for artists most of them are interested in contemporary music but i have students that are in the theatrical world um and uh really kind of Far-reaching things like uh, esports and comic cons and uh, any live events. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no prerequisites to the class, so it's open to anybody that goes to the college. So I actually get a lot of artists that want to learn about what they need in their future careers. Um, I get a lot of live and installed sound majors who will be working in the industry and want to have a bigger picture perspective on the industry that they're working in. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the fun things about the classes we do, uh, uh, they design a tour over the course of the semester. So they figure out how to route it. What are the, um, the right deals to offer? Uh, what are the expenses related? What's the tour budget? Put together a rider, all of the fun stuff that would go into a real tour. They get to do in a hypothetical situation.
0: Wow. That's great. Yeah. That's, that's probably very eye-opening for a lot of them, I would think, because you know, again, those are some concepts that not a lot of people are familiar with. You know, to get down in the weeds that far with all those details, because uh, it does take a lot to make make a tour happen.
1: It does,
0: as you know. You also are um, with your company that you have now, uh, the Entertainment Institute. You're teaching classes online. Is that primarily well, sort what you're of. doing?
1: Sort of, kind of. So the Entertainment Institute was a venture that um, ended up with artists holding workshops on the warp Tour, where mm-hmm. it was kind of an elevated VIP experience. Fans could buy an, a, a separate ticket to spend 40 minutes backstage learning from the artists about how to play drums or write a song, or just it would be a conversation on how to survive high school getting bullied, you know, Uh, kind of anything and everything the artists wanted to deal with. So that was really an entrepreneurial venture that um, was more focused on artists on the Warp Tour, holding those workshops. Um, I have currently, JenKellogg.com, I've done a series called Concert Business Basics during the pandemic. It seemed like a great opportunity to take a lot of the lectures that I did for Columbia and get them recorded so I wouldn't have to do the same lecture <laughs> yeah. each semester yeah. after semester. Um, so those are available on JenKellogg.com. And then I'm currently working on a new nonprofit venture called Showmakers, which uh, is a resource for live event professionals, um, both for personal and professional development. And we really want to build a community in the live event space, especially during this time that's really been uh, devastating to our community during the yeah. pandemic.
0: Yeah, for sure. I'm hearing more about that in terms of people addressing that side of of the industry um you know the the well-being self-help um you know all those kinds of things that really uh, until now with the pandemic most people in the touring world never got a whole lot of time to stop and really reflect on those kind of things and i think now this is probably a blessing in disguise for a lot of people because they have the time to kind of step back and look at who they are when they're not on tour and what, you know, what their life really is about and who they are and, you know, where they are standing with their, their well being, And, uh, so I think it's great that people like yourself, uh, are addressing this and, and kind of offering these resources to people to, uh, to, you know, really explore that. Uh, how's that been received?
1: It's been received. Great. I mean, I think that it's a real need. A lot of people in our industry have, um, kind of fallen into it because they had friends that were in a van that they wanted Mm -hmm. to help out. And then that band started to grow and all of a sudden they're a roadie Um, and life kind of just, just you flow along with the things that happen to you. And I think that this has been a really hard time, especially for people that have put um, all of their many years of their career and education and focus on aspects of producing live events to the, they 're out of work, right, and even like sound people it 's different doing sound for a live show than it is doing sound for a podcast or some other recorded thing, right. um, so there are people that whose livelihoods just don 't exist currently, and mm-hmm. to ha- take the time to for them to think about is that the direction that they still want to be going? Do they want to make a change, but also how can they better prepare themselves for a situation like this in the future so there's lots of people in touring that live paycheck to paycheck and when the tours are gone that is really like financially damaging um uh, mm-hmm. for them so we want to provide some guidance on how to get uh, relief whether it's governmental how to do better financial planning um taking care of your mental health during a time when your entire career that you had you know worked your Life on is on pause and with right. no real idea of when it's going to resume um, in the fully functional way that it had been. Um, so, yes, that's been reset, received well. I think that there's um, everyone feels that there's a need for the industry to come together and strengthen and come back stronger than it was before. And we're able to put some time and effort collectively as an industry on how to have better practices within our industry um Mm -hmm. more diverse and equitable hiring practices um is an important element of something that we kind of see that could improve in the live events industry um so bringing attention to all of these and during the time that people are at home and perhaps have more time to put thought and energy towards it
0: yeah well, that's Perfect timing, because I'm sure people are much more receptive, you know, because of that, you know, having the mm-hmm. time and having the the brain, you know, bandwidth to kind of process those things at this point. Uh, so if you were not doing what you're doing and you could do anything else that ever maybe crossed your mind at some point in your life, what would that be? What would that look like?
1: Well, you know, I'm always in that point of, (laughs) what am I going to do next? What direction should I go? You know, 10 years ago, if you had asked me if I'd be teaching at Columbia or talking to you on a podcast or do anything public facing, I would have thought you were crazy. I'm a behind the scenes spreadsheet numbers person. Um, so, you know, I always say you should enjoy an aspect of what you're doing for sure, but always be working towards the next thing, even if you don't know what the next thing is. So I'm still trying to figure that out sometimes. Um, I really enjoy travel. I've thought about um, doing a travel blog or some sort of travel website. Mm-hmm. Um, I very much enjoy interior design related things. Um, so I had a moment in my past where I thought that maybe I would want to get into interior design. Um so who, who knows what I would be doing yeah. if I wasn't yeah. doing this. Um, I always kind of wanted to start my own business in some ways and uh, have done that a couple of times now. So I'm, I'm always kind of trying to work towards whatever uh, is next.
0: Yeah, Well, and it sounds like you have, uh, you know, an inner passion for things. And when you, when you have that passion, it just takes you where it goes mm-hmm. and you follow that. And, and that's really the best organic kind of natural way to do that is, you know, you're, you're doing the thing you love, but you're also following that to see where it goes. And sometimes when you're following one path, you know, another thing pops up and says, you know, hey, maybe this is available. So sometimes you never know where those things come from.
1: Yeah, I really started out my career thinking I knew what I wanted in the future and uh, I, I kind of had a transformative uh, thing that happened um, just about 12 years ago where I accepted the job uh, for the Warp Tour, and the winter version was called Taste of Chaos. Um, and that was going out for two months in, like, February of 2009, um, and I... At the time, was looking to start a family with my husband and had been on the road, and that's kind of hard to do both of those things. <laughs> yes. um, and thought I wouldn't want a tour if I was pregnant or had kids, um, but I wasn't, so I took the job on the work tour, and a week later found out I was pregnant. And it yeah. was the time <laughs> that I realized, like, you know what? What am I going to do? Sit around and like wait to have a baby? I'm going to try this, and I'm going to see how it works. And as long as baby's good you know, husband and doctor are good with it. So, um, I'm going to give this a shot. And it was the thing that I had thought that I knew what I wanted and mm. realized, you know what, I have to be in the experience to really know for sure. And that carried over into then I had a newborn and am I going to go on the warp tour in the next? So my first warp tour, I was like uber pregnant. I was due yeah. like three weeks after the tour was over. Wow. Um, so then we had to decide, am I going out the next year uh, for year two on the Warp Tour? And I said, you know what? I love touring. And just because I've had a kid doesn't mean that I should have to upheave my entire career um, and stop doing a thing that I really love and I really that really feels like part of me. So I said, as long as it works for my family, I'm going to keep doing this. And it really opened my eyes to I don't know where things are going to take me, and that's fine because I'm going to figure it out. So a big aspect of my life and one of the reasons that I have different things going on, um, is the flexibility that allows me to have a balance in my life. Most people don't have a work-life balance where they go on tour for two months and then they're a stay at home mom for 10 months. But that's what I did for a couple of years. And that Mm -hmm. allowed me to stay relevant in my career and stay relevant in the industry. Um, and allowed me to do the family life things that I wanted to do at that time. And now, um, it's in this, pandemic era where I'm remote schooling and I am the child facilitator two days a week and I get to work three days a week. So we're we're recording on a Wednesday. That is one of my work days. Um, but it, because my work life has been set up like this, I'm not going to say that the pandemic is like good in any sense, but like, I'm able to roll with it. I'm able to have a flexible work life, which, um, at least for my family is an important thing for us, um, that flexibility has allowed us to, um, during this time, accomplish the things that we all need to.
0: Yeah, no, that's excellent. You get the best of both worlds in a way. You get to spend time at home with the family and you also get to work still and, and be involved with that. Um, you mentioned your your interest in travel and obviously you've traveled quite a bit Uh, You know, over the years being on tours, um, do you ever get a chance to really see the sites anywhere or are you stuck in a production office in an arena or a theater or something back in uh, uh, the end of a hallway somewhere? Do you ever get out and see things?
1: I make a real effort to keep my work to show days so that off days can truly be off days. And sometimes that doesn't happen, and especially at the beginnings of tours, you're off days or you're sitting in a hotel room still doing work. Um, but I really put a lot of effort into um, trying to get everything done on show days so that I can appreciate the off days as much as possible, mm-hmm. um, because those are the times where you end up in places in the country that are awkward to get to otherwise. Um, <laughs> Mount Rushmore, Niagara Falls, uh, Graceland, like these were all like day off. We're happened to be nearby. I'm going to go see the stuff. Um, so I, I put effort into that balance of being able to have, um, time to explore the area and kind of refresh and recharge on off days. I think is really important for touring people to do things that are refreshing to them. Um, so that, you know, the days that you are at work, you can be, like, fully focused. But, yeah, show days, totally at the end of a dark hallway in an
0: office. <laughs> with flickering fluorescent lights, right? Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah That's um, that comes with the territory, probably, unfortunately. Is there any place that people can follow along online to kind of see what you're up to or uh, maybe a social media account or anything that they can kind of see what Jen's up to?
1: Sure. Instagram is probably where I spend uh, the most of my social media time. So you can find me on Instagram. Um, My handle is either Jen Kellogg or jkellogg11. Uh, But if you go to jenkellogg.com, you'll definitely be able to connect uh, to my Instagram from there. Um, And Showmakers is where I'm putting a lot of my time and effort. So you'll also be able to find me through showmakers.com.
0: Okay. And we'll put links to all those things in the show notes for people to find easily uh well thanks so much jen for talking with us and uh kind of explaining your side of the the concert and touring experience uh one that i'm sure a lot of people uh, have never really given much thought to and now maybe hopefully they will when they're out at a show they're thinking about yeah somebody's back there settling uh the show or you know, trying to count the money so uh thanks again for joining us and uh thanks to everyone for listening to another episode of beyond the spotlight
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to Beyond the Spotlight. If you like what you heard, please share the show with your friends. Know someone who'd make a great guest? Get in touch through our Facebook page or email us at beyondthespotlightpodcast at gmail.com. And however you download or stream this, hit subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. I'm John Diener, and this has been Beyond the Spotlight.